anybody who's been in technology long enough knows of kind of the three-legged stool of people process and technology and that's that's the big thing I think to focus on in, in the cloud migration process is really looking to take advantage of what the cloud has to offer uh, to kind of take the next step forward. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome back to our continuing series, Mythbusters, Cloud, Security, and Innovation. Like the much more famous Mythbusters TV show, we're going to dive into several myths and through interviews, case studies, and data, bust that myth. Follow us over the next several months as we share blogs, infographics, and of course, podcast episodes. On the second Monday of each month, we will interview a peer CIO, CTO, or business owner who has successfully busted the myth. Two weeks later, we will hear from an InterVision expert who will further destroy the myth. The myth we are focused on this month is that cloud migration is complex and costly. Earlier, we heard from French Williams of Royal Technologies about their cloud migration and the way they managed complexity and cost. Today, our guest is Austin Rose. Austin is the director of AWS Cloud Professional Services here at InterVision. We're gonna talk through some client stories to learn how he has guided organizations through their migrations. Together, we will bust that myth. Welcome to Status Go, Austin. Well, thanks, Jeff, for having me. Looking forward to it. Yes, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because I think this is one of the myths that, that continues to hang people up and maybe slow them down uh, in their cloud migration. But before we dive into the myth itself, I'd love for you sh to share uh, with our listeners a little bit about your background, your career journey. Oh, well, that, that's very, uh, <laughs> very nebulous. Uh, I, I've done a little <laughs> bit of everything uh, in, in my, uh, you know, short time on this earth. So, um, you know, started off uh, kind of was one of those uh, characters that uh, college wasn't the, the right fit out of the, the high school track. So ended up working for an airline, um, did that for, um, you know, over 15 years, uh, did everything from, uh, you know, throwing bags on planes to, uh, flying them eventually. So, uh, during that time I, I did a lot of creative problem solving. I was in special projects for about seven of those years. Uh, and that, that's kind of where I got my start in, uh, kind of solving, solving problems. Um, from there, kind of in that same time frame when I was making a, a career transition, joined the military, uh, started off as an enlisted there. I, I was working with uh, C-130s, you know, fixing radios, um, became a helicopter pilot. So I transitioned to becoming an officer, uh, solving a different set of problems. So that, that's kind of been my uh, career focus is uh, puzzles and problems. Well, it, it is an incredible background when you when you think about it. A baggage handler to airline pilot, that's a heck of a transition. Uh, uh, military and helicopter pilot. And, and now I think you do a little bit of search and rescue is kind of a, kind yeah. of a side gig. Is that right? Yeah. So on, on the military side, I, I, uh, I fly for a search and rescue unit. Uh, and so that's all we do is uh, here here in the state of California. 
anytime you see a wildfire, a lost hiker, someone gets hurt uh, out over the, the ocean, uh, my unit usually gets called up to, to support and assist. Well, with that background, I, how have you been able to use that training that you had to build trust with clients and then guide them through cloud migrations? You've got to, you've got to draw on that background in an incredible way. I, I think it comes down to uh, compartmentalization. Uh, that, that's a term that you'll often hear uh, in aviation is this idea of being able to compartmentalize uh, concepts, feelings, anything that's going on around you into small digestible bits. And I, I kind of approach technology and a lot of what we do in the cloud uh, in a similar fashion where I try to break the problem or that project down into bite-sized mm -hmm. chunks um, and then, you know, kind of be able to communicate one-on-one, -on -one, you know, with the audience of, of that project. Um, some people are very early on in their cloud migration journey. Others have been in the cloud natively operating for, you know, well over a decade at this point. And uh, being able to meet people where they're at is, is you know, what I found most, most important. When, when you think about this, this myth that we're talking about today, that cloud migrations is, is costly and complex, where do you think that comes from? You know, we've been doing cloud migrations now. As you mentioned, uh, there's been people in the cloud for over a decade. We've probably been doing cloud migrations for a decade and a half, closing in on two decades. Where does this misconception come from? I think it comes from this idea that you have to uh, put put down this large investment. Uh, you know, when you when you look at the traditional data center, the traditional colo, you're going out there, you're buying the hardware, you're having to staff the data center, you know, uh, you've got network engineers who are rack and stacking switches, whatever it may be. Um, and when you look at kind of that, that investment, um, you don't necessarily see parity uh, when it's going to the cloud. Um, oftentimes organizations will over provision hardware to uh, allow that hardware to be relevant in three to five years when they go through their next tech refresh. And so they're not uh, they're not identifying the true need of that workload yeah. in the cloud, right? And so one of the nice things, or you know, one of the greatest things about operating in the cloud is that you have the ability to uh, consume or use what you need, and then mm -hmm. you're only getting charged for that need. So um, oftentimes, you know, we see a lot of organizations able to transition even chip architectures. So going from that AMD or that Intel chipset, mm -hmm. leveraging AWS's Graviton, uh, which is an ARM-based um, chipset, significant cost savings um, in just changing the underlying hardware there. I I I like that that thought process that because uh, I was a CIO for a number of years, and and you're right, you you tend to over provision things in the in the on-premises world. Uh, because you're doing that stair step to move up uh, and, and try to uh, project your growth. And that is, it's a different mindset to change that, that, that you're, you're going to pay for what you consume. And it's always there if you need more. So you don't have to provision too far in advance. What are some of the misconceptions that you've encountered about cloud migrations and their complexity uh, and their cost? 
I think it really comes down to this idea that you have to stop what's in production in order to migrate uh, to the cloud. Uh, this day and age, there is a, in, incredible uh, tool sets out there that allow you to do near seamless transition uh, of your production environment from your on-prem to your, uh, you know, to your cloud environment. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing is that it doesn't need to be complex. You can build up your cloud environment in parity with what's in your on-prem, and then you flip the switch, you, you point all that traffic to, to the cloud, and now you can decommission your data center or decommission those workloads. The other thing I think is important to understand is it doesn't have to be everything. Um, you know, if, if you have legacy uh, legacy servers, you know, especially Windows 2012 is uh, you know becoming end of life this year. Um, yeah. You know, those are great workloads to focus on. You know, don't don't break, you know, or don't fix what's not broken. Um, but if your Windows Server 2008 2012 systems need to be uh, modernize, the cloud is a great first step. Yeah. Uh, when you start working with clients, uh, a, a lot of times I, I, I think your team comes in and uh, I, I think you're, you're, you're working with clients in a couple of different modes. One is, hey, they don't, they don't have anything in the cloud or maybe they're already in there and they need to do uh, move some additional things. For, for those that are just beginning or maybe they've got some SaaS things out there, what are some strategies and best practices that you and your team guide them through to get started and start mapping this process out? Yeah, so e each one of the major cloud vendors out there has some flavor of a cloud adoption framework, and they all break it down into kind of three reasonable chunks. And the, the first one, which is the most important, is the assess phase. Uh, and speaking directly you know, about AWS's uh, my, kind of migration acceleration program, when, when you're in that assess phase, the, the priority is to build a case for change. So understanding uh, all of the the nuances of your your current environment, going through in, in in detail, you know what what is the projected cost in the cloud? How are we going to make that transition? Going through migration plans, understanding you know what the, the kind of the the current state architecture looks like and how that translates into a cloud native architecture. Um, all of that is done during this kind of this core assessment phase. Um, anybody who's been in technology long enough knows of kind of the three-legged stool of people, process, and technology. And that's mm -hmm. that's the big thing I think to focus on in, in the cloud migration process is people, people are gonna need training, either reskilling, upskilling. Uh, that network engineer that's in the data center racking and stacking switches, they still have a career in the cloud going through that logical uh, logical networking process out there. Um, process and technology, you know, it, it's the same thing. Uh, how your uh, compliance programs, you know, kind of that process works in the cloud, very similar, um, but needs to be addressed in that, in that assess phase. And then obviously technology is the big one. Um, you know, how are you going to adopt cloud native technologies uh, to support your business objectives? Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it goes beyond just your traditional server to server migration or, you know, a lift and shift, right. uh, and really gets into this idea of leveraging cloud native technologies, um, containers, serverless, uh, hosted databases like, uh, RDS and the like, uh, really looking to take advantage of what the cloud has to offer, uh, to kind of take the next step forward. 
can you start with a lift and shift of some or all of your workloads and then do the refactoring from there or what do you what do you recommend yeah yeah absolutely so the idea at least when we we begin working with a customer is, is we we want to understand what their their objectives are and it's really an all summer none type of approach it may make sense for them to move nothing to the cloud today and to just start building new work out there. Uh, and so what we'd want to do is, you know, we want to build a well-architected landing zone that they can build those new workloads out there. And then that helps build that case to migrate, um, you know, as tech refreshes need to occur, as, you know, uh, applications are life cycling, then you can bring those, um, those applications and those workloads into the cloud. One of the things that you mentioned earlier is is the the, the three-legged stool of people, process, technology. When when you're working with a, a company, do you do you work side by side and uh, like embed your team with the company team so that you're they're learning from you uh, and your team as you're going through this process, or is that something that's not done much anymore? It, it really depends. Um, I, I think that everyone can kind of attest to this idea of having to do more with less these days. Uh, and and yeah. so sometimes we're just brought in to, to just get the job done. Uh, wow. You know, get, get us up and running in the cloud and then we'll take it over from there. Um, more often than not, we're working side by side with our clients to make sure that as we are making changes that they understand the changes. Mm -hmm. um, and then some clients, we are just guiding and coaching them on, on the best practices and how to move forward. One of the things that, that we hear a lot from, uh, from the, the people that we talk to on the show and just out in the community when talking about cloud migrations is the, the change in mindset that the, that the team has to go through because in physical infrastructure is different than infrastructure is code. Right. And when you're in the cloud, it's basically infrastructure as code. How do you work with that network engineer or that systems engineer on the other side of the desk to help them grasp the difference between physical and code? I, I think it gets back to the idea at the beginning, you know, when I, I mentioned the idea of turning these concepts, compartmentalizing these concepts into a way that is approachable, you know, by the audience. And so, uh, I know coming, you know, historically, I, I used to be a, a network guy. Um, the the cloud and, and how you implement cloud networking, I think, is a great example because it, it's no longer patching servers and, and switches. But there is a, a requirement to develop logical and physical routes between uh, between regions, between VPCs, whatever it may be. And so it's still, you know, you're still working in IPv4, IPv6, you're still working within the OSI model. So getting back to those fundamentals will really help them understand uh, how to translate it moving forward. And that probably helps them make feel comfortable, right? Because that's something that they know. It's familiar to them. And, and you're not you're not trying to just change everything all at once. Well, we're going to pause right there, Austin, for a message from InterVision Systems. As you well know, being a part of InterVision, uh, InterVision is the publisher of the Status Go podcast. Unlock the power of more with InterVision Systems. We provide the cutting-edge technology and expert guidance 
you need to take your business to the next level. Don't settle for less. Choose InterVision Systems and discover what's possible. Contact us now to learn more. And if you do want to learn more, visit intervision.com slash myths, that's M-Y-T-H-S, and you'll be able to see some of the myths that we've already busted and maybe a preview of some of the myths that are yet to come to get, uh, to get busted and destroyed. Uh, today, we're talking with Austin Rose. Austin uh, is responsible for AWS Professional Services here at Intervision, and together, he and I are talking about the myth that cloud migrations are complex and costly. So Austin, I want to I want to turn just a little bit here. And are there some client stories that you can share that uh, kind of underscore this idea of the cloud migrations? How how you and your team were able to ensure a smooth and cost effective cloud migration for them? Yeah, I, I think the. Uh... The, the best example of that uh, was an organization we worked with. Um, they, they came to Intervision. We had been a, a long time uh, reseller of, of servers and kind of that physical infrastructure. They came to mm -hmm. us and said, hey, uh, you know, we, we need to go through a, a full tech refresh. And at, at the time, you know, this was about two years ago, uh, the lead time on that hardware was 18 months. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it, it was going to blow through their, their, their uh, timelines and, and kind of their, their refresh plan. Uh, and so they were then presented with the option to pivot to the cloud. Uh, we, we could get them up and running in the cloud. They could, you know, meet their growth projections. Nothing would, uh, you know, uh, nothing bad could happen out of that. Uh, and we were able to have them, you know, and work with them to migrate all of their production workloads into the cloud. They made a full transition and decommission to data centers. And I think that that's kind of like the the ultimate success story there where they were able to capitalize on the idea of the cloud when physical hardware no longer was available. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think a lot of our listeners found themselves in that same boat during the, during the pandemic, the lead time on supply chain of, of getting uh, the physical hardware was just 18 months or longer. Uh, I thought you were going to say it was, it was longer than that. Um, as you were going through that process with them, uh, were they able to realize any savings over what their on-premises architecture was? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't share any numbers, but the biggest one was their one of the data centers that they closed was for their disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. um, with the way that we were able to architect their AWS infrastructure, now their disaster recovery is on demand. Uh, so oh, yeah. before where they had dedicated hardware that was available to, you know, basically spin up as a warm or a, a, a cold site, um, no longer did they have to kind of maintain that entirely separate, you know, continuously running infrastructure. Uh, now it's all just in time, you know, will automatically fail over uh, and spin up through the uh, pilot light. Uh, any client stories about maybe uh, uh, a client that was in trouble in their migration uh, and you and your team were able to come in and get things back on track? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the customers that we had was working with uh, kind of independently uh, to, to move their, their resources and their systems to the cloud. But what they didn't realize is that there's a, a fair amount of work that goes into the pre-planning process. And so getting back to that idea of that lift and shift, it's not 
you don't want to start with the lift and shift process. You want to make sure you've got a good foundation. It's kind of like building a house, right? You want a mm -hmm. nice, solid, sturdy foundation, some well-insulated walls. You want to be protected. That way, as you're migrating those workloads over, they're, they're secure, they're compliant, they follow best practices, and they allow for, uh, you know, backup and disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, so it really goes into the pre-planning of, of a migration, like so much of what we do goes into that kind of that, that pre-planning or that migration planning phase. Um, so, you know, we go in there, we are able to kind of work around what they've already built, build up that, that compliant, well-architected landing zone, get the rest of their environment put out there and then kind of repair and, and kind of work, work with what they had already done. Yeah. I, I was going to ask if that was the, if, if that landing zone was that foundation that you were yep. talking about. And I, I think you answered that. So that, that, that that's awesome. Well, I, I know you're most familiar with, with, with AWS, and you mentioned that they have some tools that uh, help with the planning of the migration, the assessment of the migration. What are some of the other tools that AWS uh, and maybe some of the other cloud providers offer that help to uh, guide the migration process and help control costs during that process? Yeah, so it really comes down to, uh, you know, there, there's a couple different flavors. There's agent-based and agentless. And what, what we like to do is using these tools uh, is to go through a uh, almost a seasonal cycle of planning on this. So we've got a lot of customers that are, you know, dealing with like payroll. Payrolls run once a month. And so we want to capture the kind of the metrics associated with that, you know, very seasonal um, yeah. uh, workload. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the, the tools that are available out there, you can deploy them on your own. You can use someone like InterVision to do that on your behalf. Uh, you collect that data and then it comes down to analyzing that data um, and, and kind of going from there. So, you know, there, there's some really good agnostic tools out there. There's some really good vendor provided tools. Um, the other part of that I think that is important is that there's all the computational needs and requirements for an application. The other part that often gets overlooked is uh, the storage requirements. Um, so when you're starting to talk about uh, hardware performance when it comes to, to data storage, you know what is your latency tolerance mm -hmm. um, for some very like hypersensitive applications? You need like you know picosecond accuracy of time clocks and everything else. It, it really allows us to understand um, what those uh, Kind of variances are in the in the mm -hmm. workload, and we're able to to kind of architect around that. When when sitting down with a client and you, you you've got all that data and it it's time to it's time to rock and roll on the on the migration. Uh, what are some of the things that you're looking for as the migration itself starts? What what things do you have your eye on? Skeletons. <laughs> Everyone has skeletons, whether or not they know it. <laughs> so whether that skeleton is, is known and, and it's been well buried in the closet or if it's a, a landmine and we come across it, that, that is what I'm always looking for is what, what did we not plan for? Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of times that we'll run into issues with uh, application dependencies that were not you know, well documented. Um, when it comes to uh, custom-built um, applications, sometimes the installation media no longer exists. And there's, there's ways to migrate those workloads, 
Um, but how boutique that workload is will mm -hmm. often, you know, change our approach uh, and kind yeah. of go from there. I, I love that. That may be the title of the episode, Skeletons in the Closet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Austin, we're, we're at that time where it's time to bust that myth. What would you say to a, pr a prospective client who's sitting across the table from you uh, who told you they were reticent to migrate to the cloud because the migration is too complex or too costly? I, I would say let, let's have a conversation about it. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be everything. Uh, oftentimes there is a very valid business case to keep something on-prem. Um, but more often than not, we can identify many workloads in the environment that are better performing, better functioning, and ultimately have higher availability and higher uh, resiliency in in the cloud. Uh, and so let, let's identify what those workloads are and, and start there. There you have it, folks. Myth busted. The, the cloud migration does not have to be complex or costly. You need to have proper planning and proper execution as you're going, going through it. Now, Austin, one of the things we love to do here on Status Go is we love to leave our listeners with a very specific call to action. So our listeners are IT leaders, technology leaders from around the country, around the world, uh, actually. Uh, and what are one or two things that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? Start taking inventory of what workloads you're actually running today uh, and identify what the future state of those workloads could be. Awesome. And, and look for the skeletons, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe document the skeletons. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, Austin, thank you so much for taking time to, to talk with us. I know you are in the midst of a pretty large scale project that sounds uh, incredibly exciting. So uh, I, I, I know it's been a, a crazy time. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the time. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com slash myths. To review the show notes, go to intervision.com slash status dash go. Those show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Austin Rose. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.